Welcome back to The Word Encounter, episode 143, where we will continue on in Jeremiah chapter 14. And the uh, section title to this is The Drought. Now remember, Jeremiah is a prophet of the Lord. He's prophesying to the people about things that are about to occur to them. And so unlike Isaiah, who prophesied hundreds of years out, that's not the case with Jeremiah. And so we see that as we examine uh, the times of the day, we're seeing this from various perspectives. You know, back in Kings and in uh, Chronicles, you know, we had a certain account. Now we're dealing with the prophets uh, who were alive during that time. And so they're telling things from their perspective. So we're covering similar ground, but different perspectives. And so here we have again in verse 1, chapter 14, entitled The Drought. It says, um, this is the word of the Lord that came to Jeremiah concerning the drought. In verse 2, it says, Judah mourns her city gates language. Her people are on, ground, uh, are on the ground in mourning. Jerusalem's cry rises up. And so the people are distraught because the Lord has brought a, brought a drought against them. Because again, again, because of their apostasy, because of their wickedness, evilness, and whatnot. And their, most importantly, their refusal to change their wicked ways and to turn back to the ways of the Lord, the Lord had finally run out of patience with them. And so this is one of the things that he brought on them. And it says in verse three, their nobles send their servants for water. They go to the cisterns, they find no water. Their containers return empty. They are ashamed and, humili and humiliated. They cover their heads. And so we see that uh, droughts come on, uh, the nobles, or the, 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 the governors, the rich people of the day are sending their servants out to find water, and they can find no water. And then it says in verse 7, it says, Though our inequities testify against us, so obviously these are the Judeans talking, Lord, act for your namesake. <laughs> so they're, they're not even saying act on our behalf. They're saying, Lord, act for your namesake. Indeed, our rebellions are many. We have sinned against you. So we see that the people are acknowledging what they have done. The problem is they've done this before, and it never, they never really took it to heart. See, So lo the Lord is not just looking for empty promises of change, uh, empty uh, promises of changing our ways. He's looking for sincere repentance and a sincere change in heart. Now remember, the Lord can examine our heart. We can fool other people, but we can't fool him. And so I think when we try to fool him, that even makes him more angry with his people because we think, first of all, we're lying. Second of all, we think that we can fool him. So that's a sign of, um, uh, that's a sign of trying to uh, be more wise than the Lord. That's a sign of trying to say that you can be superior to him in intellect and knowledge because you can tell him in anything and essentially manipulate him into believing what you want him to believe instead of what he knows to be true. The next section says, false prophets to be punished. And so see, for those that aren't familiar with being in the church, you know, for the last, oh, I don't know, 20 years or so, it's been like the prophetic age. And so we have a lot of people rising up, speaking out prophetic words or speaking out words, things that, uh, that are to come in the future. Prophecy is legitimate, but not all prophets are actually prophets. People can call themselves whatever they want to call themselves. That doesn't mean that they're legitimate. And so we see a lot of people now, you know, prophet so-and-so, prophet this, prophet that, put it on their business card. This, that, that doesn't make them a prophet. 
And we see that if you are calling yourself a prophet and you are not actually a prophet of the Lord, then your sentence is pretty dire. And so I'd be very careful for those of you out there who are doing that. Um, so let's just get into this. It says false prophets to be punished. Verse 11, then the Lord said to me, do not pray for the well-being of these people. See, the people in the previous verses, they acknowledged that, that they were rebellious and this, that, and the other, but the Lord has had it. And so he's telling Jeremiah, do not prophesy for the well-being of these people. If they fast, I will not hear their cry of despair. If they offer burnt offering and grain offering, I will not accept them. Rather, I will finish them off by sword and famine and plague. He said, instead of showing any mercy, simply because they turn to me and say, okay, we acknowledge we've done wrong. The Lord said, no, 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 no. Don't, Jeremiah, don't pray for this people. You know, he says, I don't, essentially, I don't even want you to acknowledge that they exist now because I'm going to finish them off by the sword, famine, and plague. Verse 13, it says, and I replied, Jeremiah, oh no, Lord God, oh no. The prophets are telling them, you won't see sword or suffer famine. I will certainly give you lasting peace in this place. And so the prophets are telling the people that the Lord is saying that you won't see sword and you won't suffer famine. They're lying to the people. They're telling the people what they want to hear. Or they may be saying what they want to believe. The prophets may be saying what they desire. But this certainly is not from the Lord. And it says, I will certainly give you lasting peace in this place. And so the prophets are telling the people that the Lord is saying, I will certainly give you peace in this place. Don't worry about sword or famine. That's not going to happen. Verse 14, but the Lord said to me, these prophets are prophesying a lie in my name. I did not send them. <laughs> I did not send them, nor did I command them to speak to them. So not only didn't the Lord not send the prophets to the people, he did not command them to say anything. He didn't give them a word to tell the people. He's speaking through Jeremiah. So he didn't give these other so-called prophets any word. And then he says, they are prophesying to you a false vision, worthless divination, the deceit of their own minds. And so the Lord is telling Jeremiah to tell, excuse me, the Lord is telling Jeremiah that they're prophesying out of their own imagination. I didn't tell them to tell the people that. I didn't tell them to try to make the people feel secure and safe. They just did this on their own. In verse 15, it says, this is what the Lord says concerning the prophets who prophesy in my name. Though I did not send them, and who say there will never be sword or famine in this land, by sword and famine, these prophets will meet their end. And so the Lord is saying, look, their prophesying was not going to happen to the people. Okay, but I'm going to twist this around. What you say is not going to happen to the people is in fact going to happen to you. Verse 16, these people are prophesying, uh, these people they are prophesying to will be thrown into the streets of Jerusalem because of the famine and the sword. There will be no one to bear them. Uh, they, their wives, their sons, and their daughters, I will pour out their own evil on them. Be careful what you say. Be careful what you say about others. Be careful because the Lord may just turn that stuff around and put it on you. Jeremiah's request. Let's look at Jeremiah's request. Uh, do, 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 do. Let's drop down to verse 19. And it says, 
So this is Jeremiah pleading to the Lord. So again, I really admire the relationship that Jeremiah has with the Lord because uh, he, he, he's in reverence of the Lord. He honors the Lord. He does what the Lord tells him to do. Yet he still has questions for the Lord. And he still raises his voice, not raises his voice, but raises his questions to the Lord when he doesn't agree or doesn't understand. And so in verse 19, it says, have you completely rejected Judah? This is Jeremiah talking to God. Have you completely rejected Judah? Remember, God just said what will happen to these people and that how their sons and daughters and everybody's going to be killed with the sword of famine. And so uh, Jeremiah is saying, have you completely rejected Judah? Do you detest Zion? Do you hate us? <laughs> Why do you strike us with no hope of healing for us? We hope for peace, but there was nothing good for a time of healing. But there was only terror. In verse 20. It says, we acknowledge our wickedness, Lord, the iniquity of our ancestors. Indeed, we have sinned against you. For your name's sake, again, they're pleading God, for your own name's sake, God, don't despise us. Don't disdain your glorious throne. Remember your covenant with us. Do not break it. And so this is Jeremiah talking to God. Remember your co covenant, Lord. Don't break it. Don't jack us up. Don't mess us up. What are you thinking? Don't do this. Mm-mm-mm. And so um, we go on to chapter 15, where the Lord is going to respond to Jeremiah now. And the section title says, The Lord's Negative Response. And it said, Then the Lord said to me, Even if Moses and Samuel should stand before me. In other words, the Lord is saying, Even if my treasured ones, even if these should stand before me, my compassions would not reach out to these people. Send them from my presence and let them go. If they ask you where will we go, tell them this is what the Lord says. Now, this is harsh. The Lord says those destined for death to death. In other words, so the people are asking Jeremiah, where should we go? And so Jeremiah is going to tell them what the Lord says. Where should you go? Here's where you should go. Those destined for death, go to death. Those destined for the sword, to the sword. Those destined for famine, to famine. Those destined for captivity, to captivity. <laughs> so the Lord is saying, you know, that's where you should go. That's what your portion is. Let's drop down to verse 6. It says, and the Lord says, you have left me. This is the Lord's declaration. You have turned your back, so I have stretched out my hand against you and destroyed you. And the next one, the next one really hit me uh, because I don't recall reading this before. And he says, I am tired of showing compassion. Let me read that in context again. The Lord is saying, you have turned your back on me. You have stretched out. Uh, I, so I've stretched out my hand against you and destroyed you. I am tired of showing compassion. I am tired of showing you compassion. Remember, this is over hundreds and hundreds of years. He kept forgiving him, kept forgiving him, kept forgiving him. You know, a little punishment here, a little punishment there, but kept forgiving him. Now he was through. Let's drop down to verse 10. The section heading says, Jeremiah's complaint. And so the Jeremiah says, Woe is me, my mother that you gave birth to me, a man who cites dispute and conflict in all the land. And so Jeremiah says, Woe is me, my mother who gave birth to me. I'm a man 
whose sources, you know, uh, 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 anguish and, you know, I upset people. I, um, I, I uh, initiate conflict because <laughs> this is what the Lord is having me do. And so he says, woe to me that you gave birth to me, mom. I, I hate this. It says, I did not lend or borrow, yet everyone curses me. And so, you know, Jeremiah is saying, look, I've only done what you told me to do, Lord, and look what I've gotten in return. I didn't take from anybody. I did not uh, cheat anybody. I didn't do anything, yet everybody curses me, yet everybody hates me. The Lord's response. Now, this is an interesting response. Um, the Lord said, haven't I set you loose for your good? And it says, haven't I punished you in a time of trouble, in a time of distress with the enemy? Now, this is one of those times where the version that you're reading can really change your understanding of what this scripture is saying. Because when I read this, again, we're in the Christian Standard Bible. It says, uh, the Lord said, haven't I set you loose for your good? Haven't I punished you uh, in a time of trouble? in a time of distress with the enemy. So it sounds to me like the Lord is, you know, Jeremiah is questioning his life, and then the Lord is saying, like, haven't I punished you? <laughs> you know, but that's not what's being said. Let me go to another translation. Let me go to the New American Standard Bible, and let's read what it says. It says in verse 11, The Lord said, Surely I will set you free for the purposes of good. Surely I will cause the enemy to make supplication to you. In other words, I will cause the enemy to ask you and petition you about your well-being. And it says, so let me go back. It says, surely I will cause the, enemy, uh, the enemy to make supplication to you in a time of disaster and a time of distress. And so what the Lord is saying, in these hard times that are coming, don't worry. I got you covered. See, I'm going to have the enemy watch out over you. But that doesn't, that's not the way it sounds in the Christian Standard Bible version, you know, where it says, haven't I punished you in a time of trouble? And so the Lord is saying, okay, I hear you, Jeremiah, but these times are coming, but I've got you covered. I got your back. Don't worry. Uh, let's drop down to verse 15. And it says, Jeremiah's prayer for vengeance. And it says, uh, you know, Lord, remember me and take note of me. Avenge me against my persecutors in your patience. Don't take me away. Know that I suffered disgrace for your honor. So, so Jeremiah is pleading to the Lord with regard uh, to where his positioning is. But it says in verse um, uh, 18, it says, Why has my pain become unending? My wound incurable, refusing to be healed. You have truly become like a mirage to me. Then he says, water that is not reliable. So Jeremiah is telling the Lord, you have become essentially like nothing to me, and you're not reliable. Because <laughs> he doesn't understand why his pain has become unending and, and, and his wounds incurable. Now, I would say this. I'm saying, reading through this, a lot of Jeremiah's pain and whatnot obviously is coming from the word that he's hearing from the Lord with regard to what's going to happen to the people, to the land, and so on and so forth. <clears throat> But the Lord has reassured him with regard to him being covered and for him not to worry. So what it seems to me like is that Jeremiah is not believing this. Jeremiah is not believing what the Lord is telling him about himself, about Jeremiah. You know? And so Jeremiah is kind of throwing himself in with the ring of the, uh, with the plight of the other people. 
and other people that hate him that don't like him because of what he's been saying to them and about them from the Lord. The Lord said, I got you, don't worry. But apparently he's not believing this because he's, he's, he's saying, Lord, you're like water that's not reliable. Next session title says, Jeremiah told to repent. In verse 19, it says, therefore, this is what the Lord says. If you return, I will take you back. And so based on what Jeremiah has been saying, the Lord is essentially telling him, you, you have turned away. And he says, but, based on, uh, but therefore, if you return, I will take you back. You will stand in my presence, and if you speak noble words rather than worthless ones, <laughs> you will be my spokesman. You'll essentially be my spokesman again. But you got to repent first, because I don't like what you've been saying. I don't like how you've been talking to me. That's essentially what God is telling Jeremiah. And then it says, then I will make you a fortified wall of bronze to this people, bronze to this people. I will fight um, I will fight against you. No, excuse me. They will fight against you, but will not overcome you. For I am with you to save you and to rescue you. This is the Lord's declaration. So he said, look, Jeremiah, don't like the way you've been talking to you. But if you turn, if you return, if you repent, then look, I got you. I'll take you back. You can stand in my presence and I'll fight your battles and you will not lose. I think that's a pretty good deal. Let's go to chapter 16. And in chapter 16, uh, yeah, let's see 16, yeah. So chapter 16, it says, no marriage for Jeremiah. It says, the word of the Lord came to me, do not marry or have sons or daughters in this place. For this is what the Lord says concerning sons and daughters born in this place, as well as uh, concerning the mothers who bear them and the fathers who father them in this land. The word says, they will die from deadly diseases. They will not be mourned or buried, but will be like manure on the soil surface. They will be finished off by sword and famine. Their corpses will become food for the birds of the sky and for the wild animals of the land. This is talking about the kids born to these people. It's, it, it, the Lord is saying, look, something horrible is coming. I'm warning the people. Don't have, so he's telling Jeremiah, don't get married, don't have kids, because this is what's coming. Okay. <laughs> So don't, you know, don't do this. In verse 5 it says, For this is what the Lord says, Don't enter a house where a mourning feast is taking place. Don't go lament or sympathize, or sympathize with them, for I will remove my peace from these people, as well as my faithful love and compassion. This is the Lord's declaration. So he's telling Jeremiah, look, when the young ones die and others die, and people are mourning and having feasts in their home or funerals, this and that, he says, don't go sympathize with them. Don't go lament with them. Don't. Don't. Why? I have removed my peace from these people. And he's removed his faithful love and compassion. So he says, don't go. Don't extend anything to them. They are getting what they deserve. That's a harsh word. That's a very harsh word. Down in uh, verse 10, it says, abandoning the Lord and his law. Then it says, when you tell these people all these things, they will say to you, why has the Lord declared all this terrible disaster against us? What is our iniquity? Why are they asking this? <laughs> anyway, it says, what is our sin that we have committed against the Lord our God? In verse 11, it says, then you will answer them. Because your ancestors abandoned me, this is the Lord's declaration, and, follow, uh, and followed other gods, served them, and bowed and worshiped to them. In verse 12, it says, you did more evil than your ancestors. It says, you know, this is coming on you because of what your ancestors, your fathers and your mothers did and whatnot. But 
even in light of what they did, you've done worse. It says you did more evil than your ancestors. Look, each one of you was following the stubbornness of his evil heart, not obeying me. <laughs> and so he's not, uh, he's not laying this all on the ancestors' behavior. He's saying you've taken it to another level. Verse 14, it says, however, look, the days are coming, the Lord's declaration, when it will no longer be said, as the Lord lives who brought, this, uh, who brought the Israelites from the land of Egypt, but rather, as the Lord lives who brought the Israelites from the land of the north, that being Babylon, and from the other lands where he had banished them. In other words, they would swear by, as the Lord uh, had delivered all of his children out of, e out of Egypt. That was kind of their phrase. That was their declaration. He says, that's going to change. He says, it's going to change to, as the Lord lives, who brought the Israelites from the land of the north, or who brought the Israelites from exile in Babylon. So the phraseology is going to change, he says. And then he says, for I will return there, for I will return their land that I gave to their ancestors. So the Lord is saying, look, I'm exiling you. You're being punished, but I'm not going to wipe you out because I'm going to keep my covenant with my son, David, for I will return them to their land that I gave to their ancestors. And so even though they had done evil and wickedness, whatnot he wasn't going to wipe him out because he still had to because the lord is a covenant keeper he made covenant with david and he's going to follow through on that covenant in chapter 17 last one we're going to cover today it says curse and blessing let's drop down to verse 5 it says this is what the lord says cursed is the person who trusts in mankind he makes human flesh his strength and his heart turned from the lord Cursed is the person who trusts in mankind. There are many people out there who trust in what man says, what man does, man's wisdom, man's knowledge, and they totally and completely ignore everything the Lord says. The Word says, cursed is that person who makes human flesh his strength. See, It says that person's heart turns from the Lord, and they're cursed. And then it says uh, in verse 7, the person who trusts in the Lord, whose confidence indeed is the Lord, is blessed. It says in verse 8, it says, He will be like a tree planted by water. It sends its roots out towards the stream. It doesn't fear when heat comes, and its foliage remains green. It will not worry in a year of drought or cease producing fruit. And so a person who trusts in the Lord lives worry-free because their trust is in the Lord. I'll be the first one to tell you, this is, for me anyway, this is a very difficult word to live out. But it is the word of the Lord. We go to the next section. It says the deceitful heart. Verse 9, the heart is more deceitful than anything else and incurable. Who can understand it? Verse 10, I, the Lord, examine the mind. I test the heart. I, the Lord, examine the mind. I test the heart. To give each according to his way, according to what his actions deserve. So you can't fool the Lord. Because he examines your mind and he tests your heart. And then he, he rewards each according to his own way. And that could be a positive reward or not so positive reward. We drop down to verse 14. It says, Jeremiah's plea, heal me, Lord, and I will be healed. Save me and I will be saved for you are my praise. Hear how they keep challenging me. 
where the word, uh, where is the word of the Lord? Let it come. So the people are are mocking him. They're saying, hey, where is, you've been prophesying this, but where is the word of the Lord? Let it come. Then it says in verse 18, Jeremiah says, let my prosecutors be put to shame, but don't let me be put to shame. Let them be terrified, but don't let me be terrified. Uh, bring on them the day of disaster, shatter them with total destruction. <laughs> so we see that, you know, Jeremiah has this kind of love-hate relationship with the people, right? You know, and so, and I can understand it. And he has these, these emotional swings with God as well. He's in a tough position. He's in a very tough position. Anyway, um, let's just drop to Romans 10, give everybody opportunity. Um, and it says, the message, near, the message is near you in your mouth and in your heart. This is the message of faith that we proclaim. This is verse 9, Romans 10. If you confess with your mouth Jesus is Lord and believe in your heart that God raised him from the dead, you will be saved. It doesn't say you might be saved or I'll think about it. It says you will be saved. Down in verse 11, it says, for scripture says, everyone who believes on him will not be put to shame. In verse 13, for everyone who calls on the name of the Lord will be saved. If you haven't called on the name of the Lord to be your Lord and Savior, I would highly recommend you do that immediately. There's no reason to wait because time is not promised to any of us. And with that, we will pick it up in verse 18 tomorrow, tomorrow of Jeremiah. Everybody take care. Bye-bye now.